a ton of conflict, whether it's in, you know, like partnerships or of a, of a personal sort or at work, a lot of conflict comes from when one person is exploring and the other person is like ready to make a decision or ready to move to, into kind of a judging mode. Mm -hmm. And so having that experience can then give you the vocabulary to mm -hmm. figure out like, okay, how do we wanna, are we in a moment where we're exploring? Are we in a moment where we're kind of selecting the best idea that we have and executing? Finally here, welcome to Do It With Dan, entrepreneurial philanthropist, public speaker and author, creator of the Beyond Intention Paradigm. Here is your host, Daniel Mengena. Hello and welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am the host of the podcast. That's why it's called Do It With Dan. My name's Dan. We're here with a new buddy of mine, Sarah. We're going to talk about some cool stuff. She's got a great book that's just released. We're going to give you some information on how to go and get your hands on that. Um... Overall, as always, I brought a magical human to help you live a more magical life. Uh, now that I've played up all the magic, I'm going to let Sarah introduce herself and bring it down to the ground. Sarah, how are you doing today? Let the people know who you are and what you do. I'm great. It's really great to be here. Um, so I'm the executive director at the Stanford D School, which is like a funny name for a, a unit at a university like uh, Stanford. But we kind of leave the what does the D mean up to you? A lot of people you know, think about design, but, you know, dreams. Actually, I have a, yeah. a faculty colleague uh, who, who says, like, maybe the D is dreaming. Yeah. And it is a place where we want people to be able to come together from across the university and sometimes even like around the world from all the different fields and backgrounds and collaborate and really think about um, new opportunities and design new creative solutions to a huge range of challenges. Mm -hmm. And, you know, design has like a very particular history around the, the creation of mostly physical objects, aesthetic qualities, you know, the mm -hmm. way in which you interact with the space in your house. But in the past 20 or 30 years, it has become so much more widespread and used to design experiences and platforms and systems. And that's more of the kind of design that we're in. We're, in, we're, we're really working to figure out how do, how do the methods of design help you change the environment around you, the things around you that you don't feel are working right, the organizations that you're in, um, and come up with unconventional and, and creative approaches. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Um, I've got a lot of funny jokes I want to do about D, but we're not going to do that because we just, <laughs> we're recording a wholesome podcast. <laughs> we're recording, right. recording a wholesome podcast that's explicit rated. But did you wake up and like, I'm going to create a mysterious secret society section of Stanford University and then I'm going to write books about it? Where's the... Give, where's the journey where's the journey yeah. is this what you what you wanted to do as a kid like where, where does the was there a Noah's Ark thing like what Jonah and the world where does that even evolve from like help me to yeah I mean I was I was a really um I, I was a kid who loved to make and play and imagine for sure um, I was like one of those kids who can sort of like occupy themselves for hours at a time because I could just like live in the world of imagination and, and make believe. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, when I grew up, I realized like, oh, creativity is actually a team sport. 
right? And and the kinds of things you can make and build are so much more interesting and valuable if you are working with people who have different perspectives and different skills than you do. So I was extremely lucky that right when I landed at Stanford as a grad student was when the D school was getting started. And I took some of the very, very early classes. So like we were in a trailer, the floor was sticky, the like <laughs> there were only one window open. I mean, it was just like a real experiment on the edge of campus. And I am mm-hmm. very much drawn to those kinds of like environments where they, you know, essentially it doesn't, it feels like you couldn't make a mistake. Like you were Mm -hmm. really inventing something together with this amazing group of other students and and faculty. And um, it just, it felt like an environment where people could uh, have permission to try things and to make mistakes. Mm. And there are not actually that many places in the professional world and in the educational world where that is really okay. And I, I think that was a part of what I was really drawn to. And then I want to pass that on to other people. Like I want my students to start to recognize like, oh, the, all the rules that we think are the rigid rules of how society works and how our organizations work and how we relate to each other. Those have been created through culture and practice and bureaucracy and habit. And we can challenge them. We can, we can actually start to shift those, those cultures and those ways of interacting. And oh, by the way, when we do, we come up with better and more interesting and more human and more empathetic ideas and, and, and creative solutions. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm kind of all about like, how do we perpetuate that um, tone of permission setting and um, warm hearted, generous collaboration with, with each other? Mm. So this is the thing that's coming up for me as you're sharing this. It's you selfishly got to enjoy the experience of adding to the world. Doing something that was like, oh, hang on a minute, I get to play again. Yeah. And I get to go into this space of exploration and permission to just see what the hell happens. And you're still kind of doing what society said to do because you're doing it in a a graduate school. It's like, go to school and I get to play and perhaps create disruption in the way that things work that is that something that you saw happening or is it something that I've just you know magically showed you now yeah well you I mean I I love that you you describe that tension and you know there is there is a little bit of tension there I think especially as we as the d-school kind of you know gets um more more part of the establishment I think you know for me the value of the fact that that was happening that that creative experiment happened at Stanford meant that a lot of other folks other schools started to to absorb it and to copy it and then to Mm -hmm. improve upon it and build in new ways and to, Mm -hmm. you know, sort of like riff on, on that model. Mm -hmm. So there are kind of D school like entities now all over the world at so many different colleges and universities at, in all kinds of contexts Mm -hmm. and they all look different. And I think actually Mm -hmm. that's, that's a part of the kind of success of that movement. Like a lot Mm -hmm. of educators have realized like, Oh, actually somehow we've, We've created an educational system where a lot of people feel like less creative at the end of it than they did going into it. Like, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. What are we going to do about that? Mm-hmm. And so that that feels like very meaningful work. I also think there's a ton that people can learn and, and do with these methods that have nothing to do with being in school. Right. And actually, that was, a, <laughs> that was a big motivator for writing this book is that like there is no reason you have to be in a graduate program in any, you know, like or in any kind of formal mm-hmm. educational environment to start to figure out like, okay, how do I build some tools around being more reflective and refining my own creative Mm -hmm. process? 
Like, how do I actually start noticing the opportunities that are around me that I am walking by every day because I've just become habituated in the way that I commute or the way I walk down the street or the way I take care of my family. Mm -hmm. So I think that there are, you know, these habits that, that we use in design, these practices that require a little bit of intentionality, a little bit of focus, but lead to these just awesome results in terms of your own creative abilities. And, and that's the piece, like whether or not we're based in a university context, that is less important to me than that, that everybody gets access to these kinds of methods. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, I want to bring this to the listener. Um, I want to let them be selfish in terms of what they're getting from this too. I want to dive into the book um, a bit more about the journey of you writing the book, what that did for you. Um, You mentioned that in the book, one of the things you're saying is you you don't want people to feel that they have to be in some formalized construct construct of, I'm doing my master's or my PhD, blah, 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 for them to be able to be different, sharp, different, do something different, maybe to contribute differently. what are some of the ways, and I'm sure this is going to lead into the book, but what are some of the ways that people can start to bring that different flavor of lens in how they look in their lives? Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll share one of the early, um, so, so in the book, basically, there's a whole set of the activities that we run with our students, but mm-hmm. I've, I've written them in a way that like, it doesn't matter if you have a, a partner or not, it doesn't matter if you're in a classroom setting, like you can try these things out on your own. And mm-hmm. one of the practices that I, I love for people to start with, um, it's fairly early in the book is called the derive. And the derive is actually like a old method that was taken from like a French art movement in the sixties. That was about like, how do you experience the city that you're in differently and understand it? And essentially it's a way of, of, of drifting in a particular area that retunes your consciousness to see things in a different way. So instead of setting out like on a neighborhood walk and being like, I'm going to go around these four blocks and then I'm going to come back. You pick an attribute to follow. So maybe you pick the color yellow and you oh. find the first thing that's yellow and maybe you like make a little sketch, you write about it in your notebook. And then you look and see what's the next thing that I see that's yellow. Maybe it's the lines in the middle of the road. You walk down that a little bit. And then you see the mm-hmm. next thing that's yellow. Maybe it's, you know, somebody's mailbox, what, whatever it is. And what is fascinating is that people always come back and say, one, I saw things, I've been, you know, living here for 10 years. I saw things today I've never seen before. Mm-hmm. Two, you sometimes have these moments where you relate something that you've seen or understand in a new way to some like more um, philosophical principle that you want to explore. Like I had somebody who did follow straight lines, actually, and then she had this whole realization about like how constrained she feels in a lot of her work mm-hmm. and wanted to like figure out, OK, like how do I re- how do I like break some of those lines um, and constraints in, in my life. I had another woman who followed tree roots and she's a systems engineer. And she had this like uh, unbelievable insight about how the work that she does in retail as a systems engineer is like very behind the scenes and convoluted. But if she does it right, then like a beautiful tree emerges. So she just had this like cool metaphor moment Mm -hmm. where she kind of really reconnected with the purpose that she feels in the work that Mm -hmm. she does. And it's, it's those kinds of like 30 minute exercises that can start to tune your brain to notice things in a really different way. And all kinds of really interesting possibilities come to that, whether you're working on a design project or whether you're just wanting to kind of like reconnect with your sort of internal creative self. And the thing is, is that as you're speaking, I'm not even thinking 
like, you know, traditional, I'm going to do an art piece. I'm even thinking of someone that's in the world of business. If you're looking for a creative solution, which is where the biggest quantum leaps happen, then going to do this exercise can be really powerful in all terms of, sort of breaking the habituation of thought that's keeping you locked in seeing things the same way. If you're having a challenge in your relationship and you're unable to see a different way to approach speaking to your other half, then going out and exploring, opening up the mind just allows things to be done differently. This is really, really, really awesome. It's, it's very powerful. And actually one of the, there's, there's a very cool exercise in the book um, that is about um, exploring creative collaboration with someone else. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a, it's an exercise in which you do need a partner and you kind of go through a little mini storytelling exercise and you practice mm-hmm. what it feels like when one person kind of shuts down the possibilities mm-hmm. and then, and then what it feels like when that person really opens up and is very receptive and it's, ba- it's based on some practices in, in improv. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you can read about it and kind of internalize it, but until you have that experience of the vast difference that you feel personally, when someone is validating being in an exploration mode versus being in a kind of decision-making or judgment evaluative mode that you need that embodied feeling sometimes to like restore to yourself. What does it feel like when I'm in that generative mode? And when I'm working with people who are embracing that and actually a ton of conflict, whether it's in, you know, like partnerships or of a, of a personal sort or at work, a lot of conflict comes from when one person is exploring and the other person is like ready to make a decision or ready to move to into kind of a judging mode. Mm-hmm. And so having that experience can then give you the vocabulary to mm-hmm. figure out like, okay, how do we want to, are we in a moment where we're exploring? Are we in a moment where we're kind of selecting the best idea that we have and executing? Mm-hmm. So there are all of these different exercises and practices that we use that can help you kind of tune up. How do you collaborate? How do you get into that generative space? How do you notice things in a new way? And again, I'm even looking at the whole thing that you know people who maybe like ah, I trust Dan's going to bring somebody cool but they're talking about art I'm not really sure even breaking that closed-mindedness now you know us having this conversation is exploring how these artistic creative explorative tools can work in our business can work in our relationship can work in our personal development journey can work in what there's so many different applications of this right yeah that's exactly right. And I'll, and I'll say like, I mean, I love art, but I, th- I don't make art, right? Like we, have, <laughs> we really make really practical things. So for example, yeah, one yeah. of my, one of my, um, one of the exercises in here, uh, that, that I created and contributed, and I should say, this is a collection that spans so many different faculty and contributors from the, yeah. from the whole community. So there's so mm-hmm. many great ideas that I did not originate, but a few that I did, um, one of which is called, uh, distribution prototyping. So mm-hmm. we think about prototyping not as like, here's the near finished thing. It's really a way to ask new questions and to think on your feet and to, and to create something that other people can react to and give you feedback. So like distribution, which is, you know, the nuts and bolts of any business <laughs> where it's like, how am I going to get the thing that I've made to the person who I want to buy it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is something you can still apply a creative mindset to. And in this mm-hmm. particular exercise, we have students stretch a piece of string across a room and then think about if one end represents the customer and the other end represents the thing, you know, where I'm making it or the service that I'm creating, how am I actually going to get it all the way across that gap and, mm-hmm. and make a physical representation of each of those, you know, like parts of that distribution channel. 
that exercise provokes so many insights for, for our students or for anyone who's using it about like, what could go wrong? What's it going to cost? Are there creative partnership arrangements? Can I share this channel with some other business? I mean, really, really creative thinking about one of those like totally unsexy parts of business that is nonetheless <laughs> like, so it's so ripe for yeah, creative like thinking, right? Channel. That's like, yeah. If they're doing like a, a weird parody movie with George Clooney, then he's going to be the distribution <laughs> manager. Right? Oh my gosh, I love that idea. Yes, exactly. That's like an up in the air part two. Yeah, like I'm doing the distribution, Tammy. Okay, that's, right. that's that's really right. And but I mean, if you think about like the massive supply chain problems that we're having that we've experienced yeah. in the last twelve months, like you know, sometimes in the world that we live in today, we are all thrown curveballs in terms mm-hmm. of. What, you know, it's like, wow, the world is no longer operating the way that we've been used to it operating. What are the kinds of unconventional approaches and new ways of thinking that you are going to bring to solve these problems right when they mm-hmm. need to be solved? And so that, I mean, that's just, you know, one sort of tiny example of like how you could then think about, well, that's a practice that we use in distribution. I bet we could use it for supply, you know, chains as well. What could that look like? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Awesome. 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 Um, I want to make this personal to you for a second. Which is your favorite exercise that you didn't put in the book and why? Oh, what a difficult question you're asking me to choose amongst my favorite babies. (laughs) My friend's favorite babies. (laughs) Maybe not your number one, but like what's a favorite one that you've got? Like one of your I I just yes, I'm stalling because I have so many. So I mean one of my one of my absolutely favorites, and actually one of the ones I think is the most hard um, Mm -hmm. is called Tether which was created by uh, Carissa Carter. And it involves um, really like tying yourself down and sitting in one place for an uncomfortably long period of time and using that time to document and observe everything in the environment. Mm-hmm. And that is um, not something that we're used to because we're so used to like, you know, the instant gratification of scrolling or whatever, you know, sort of like, it, it, you know, sort of passively receiving information. Mm-hmm. Um, But what it's really about is that, you know, again, on the theme of noticing, uh, sometimes you have to slow down to be able to see new things. Mm -hmm. And when you sit in one place, like you could sit in in a mall, you could sit in a museum, you could sit in a town square, wherever you have access to, you will start to see all the obvious things. Then you'll see like, oh, there's interactions going on. Like, I don't usually pay attention to that. What is that all about? Then you might think about like, you know, what happened here 10 years ago that created the environment that I'm in today? What's going to, mm-hmm. what's this place going to be like a thousand years from now, right? Like you may, you might start thinking really differently in time or in scale. How does this town square relate to the whole community that I'm a part of? Mm-hmm. And some of those stretches are so provocative in terms of then thinking about how the work that you're doing might connect to other parts of the broader ecosystem that you're in. We just don't often get to that layer of thinking and speculation. So Tether is one of my absolute favorites. Another one of my favorites is um, called Tell Your Granddad. And it's it's it's, it's it's really fun. It's like one of those just like, hands down, this is fun and totally ridiculous but it has a purpose. And Tell Your Granddad is about learning how to use metaphors to express complicated ideas. Because oftentimes when you're designing something, like you see it so clearly, you're like, Mm -hmm. I am making the coolest blank, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And you have to actually tell, you have to convince someone like there is a problem to be solved. My thing is going to really help address it. It's really exciting. The future is going to look different. 
And metaphors are often a very powerful way to express those kinds of complicated ideas. So um, <laughs> tell your granddad is a game. Basically, it's a competition between two teams where you pick a really complicated subject like climate change or mm-hmm. um, the Bay Hive or something mm-hmm. that like your you know hypothetical granddad might not be familiar with mm-hmm. and figure out like, how do you exp- like what are all the ways that you could express that in a metaphor or a simile? And then you kind of have like a metaphor off. So it's like it's just a fun way. Yeah, exactly. To like get like get yeah. quick and be thinking about like how could you how could you describe these these complicated uh, challenges. So that's mm-hmm. kind of reflective. Like we, you know, it's like, that's actually kind of hard work. It's like a lot of verbal manipulation and really thinking about how do we distill something clearly that's really complicated. Mm-hmm. That's a really useful skill, but like, why not make it a game, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like why not make that fun and joyful and a way to like get that exercise with, with your team or with your group that you're, that you're learning with. Nice, nice, nice. Do you guys actually like put like jerseys on and like we're gonna granddad off we're gonna granddad off okay uh, next like, time we do this next time i run this activity we will be wearing jerseys with Please, you thank you for that and, like, thank you for that push <laughs> have like hip-hop music or something and like okay okay yeah i mean look like this is this is the whole thing like that you know adults <laughs> deserve to play more right 100%. And play is so related to how we like get into an alternate space in your brain and think about things in a lateral way, think about things in a more free way. It's how we like lower inhibition so that people can express that kind of like slightly crazy idea that maybe like they're afraid might be censored. And then somebody else can be like, well, that's crazy, but I'm going to like, oh, that reminds me of, and then you start that building process. Right. So so having those moments, you know, it's, you're not playing all the time, but like having moments of th- that kind of like really fun energy, like mm-hmm. with music or whatever, you know, that is actually meaningful, you know, a meaningful way to create an, a context in which people can express their, their most creative ideas. Beautiful. Beautiful. I love it. I love it. Um, I just realized we haven't actually named the book. <laughs> yeah. It's been like this. The cliffhanger, when are they gonna name the book? We're gonna do it now. <laughs> do you wanna do the honors or do you want me to do the honors? Please. So the book is called Creative Acts for Curious People mm-hmm. uh, How to Think, Create, and Lead in Unconventional Ways. Can I ask you something? Please. Because I'm working on the title for my next book at the moment. I've been trying to do so for six months, right? Did you do? The creative acts for curious people and then add the context through the second bit or did you do the second bit and then synthesize it into like a really sexy first bit the name was one of the hardest parts of the process <laughs> I, which sounds like you're kind of finding that as well right yeah. i'm i want to i want to find out like what is what is what is why is it taking you six months but yeah. i'll just say so in our in in this one um I think I think I was I had a really strong conviction that creative acts for curious people was the right main title. And then we mm-hmm. added and then we added some of the context. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think there's I, I really wanted the emphasis to be on um, these are creative acts, but you don't already have to see yourself as creative to to want to you know get involved with these methods. So I think everybody is creative, but not everybody sees themselves that way. And so hopefully by, you know, having the title around like curiosity being that it's like everybody can, 
see themselves as being a little curious, right? Like I, I really, I hope so. So I think if you're just a little bit curious, these are some of the things that you might want to practice to brush up on those, those creative skills. And then, yeah, it felt important to add a little bit more context, um, you know, in that, in that subtitle, but what's, what's your process? Like, what's your book about and what's your, what's your title process? Uh, so initially I was really super duper clear on what the next book was going to be. And I knew exactly the through line and I knew exactly what I wanted to put forward as a message. And then I was told that my publisher that was lined up was like never going to publish a book with that title. I said, oh, okay. And so then we went back and forth, wiggling around the title that would be accepted. And then I was like, I don't even want to have them control me, but I want to call it anyway. And then I spent a bit more time refining the idea and getting clear on the pillars of my work that I want to put forward. So we're stepping beyond intention. It's my beyond intention paradigm money game. It's my mode for manifestation but then this was the glue to bring all of that together that's a specific you know seven point process um and now i'm like i don't know what i don't know what to to do with that because you've got the the seo considerations and what people are going to search for because like with this like people are searching they've got the problem they're going to find the book so there's all the practical considerations and i'm in a point where i don't want to be suffocated from being creative in terms of what the title is but also still having to honor the practical considerations like people actually getting the book and so this is for example with Stephanie Intention from the second cover now with the second edition we did last year the original book cover I loved it but it looked like a novel so and it didn't really give any context and so yeah there's considerations practical considerations and then there's the creative desire to be like I want to share my vision for this thing yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of stuck in between the two at the moment. I wouldn't say I'm stuck. I haven't, I didn't, I haven't dived back into it just yet. I am going to be diving back into it because I was looking at a 2022 release. I actually want, I've got some documentary stuff I want to do this year. So 2023. So I'm, I'm going to be jumping back in Q1. Yeah. That's part and parcel of it. I, I mean, I, it, it definitely took, like, we, I sort of like dipped in, dipped out, got to that <laughs> like <laughs> set aside, you know, then tried again. What, one thing I tried is, you know, so a, a lot of, you know, in our, in, in the design work that we do, we do a lot of testing, like early mm -hmm. of like our crappy ideas to just get quick feedback. So mm -hmm. I did a test with like various combinations of titles and subtitles, and mm -hmm. I sent it to 40 or so people who are, some of them are knowledgeable about design and the work that I do. Some of them are just like friends from high school or friends, you know, just like people who are going to be, you know, hopefully the, like representing the audience I'm trying to reach, but not necessarily like too in the weeds of, of um, our, our field. Mm -hmm. They gave great feedback. I just like mm -hmm. set up a little, a little kind of quiz and that helped, that helped us move forward in that process. Mm -hmm. Um and then I just got some great advice from one of my mentors who's published a bunch of books. And he was like, you know, ultimately you're the one who's going to be standing up in front of the, he's like, hopefully you're going to be on a stage at some point with the cover of the book behind you on the screen. If you are not proud of it and you do not feel like it, it represents mm -hmm. something exciting to you, it's not the right title yet. And so he kind of gave me the confidence to like, 
just keep at it with the publisher. Cause that's exactly, you're describing the dynamic of like <laughs> folks who really understand the market and then the author and the editorial yeah. team. Is like, What's the idea? Yeah. Right? I kind of love that tension, right? It was like really hard to bridge that sometimes, but it was, mm-hmm. I, I, I felt like that was, you know, kind of where the work had to be done. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, I, I'm doing, I mean, I, I should finish my PhD proposal this week as well. Yeah, I'm looking at a professional PhD to explore uh, a small scale study. I'm putting my, my I'm putting my money where my mouth is, basically, and saying, you know, does my stuff work? Um, and does the popularly popularly discussed idea of how we can create, you know, stability in our financial well being, mentally, physically, and emotionally, does it really work? And I feel that that is going to give me a bit more meat on the bones for. The book because I started this before I'd explored the PhD, and now that I'm doing this, I'm like, ah, maybe there's something in between those two as well. Because we've got a documentary that maybe could be Netflixing off the back of that as well. So there's all these kind of moving parts. So I was like, come, oh, take the foot off and have a look and see where we're going to be. But I'm interested to seeing some of these exercises and see if they'll support on that journey as well. So very cool. Yeah, yeah. that's you have mm-hmm. so many exciting things going on. Yeah, 2022 is a really, really fun-looking year for me. Some cool stuff that I haven't done before. A lot of overwhelm, a lot of overwhelm, but um, I'm blessed. I've got a really solid team and been really, really well-supported and continue to dive into asking for the support around that and get to play with really cool people, which is um, which is a big thing for me. That's the best. Exactly. Is there anything that we haven't covered in relationship to this whole exploration of... Um, creativity, secret code names, underground granddad games, and solving problems from a more creative uh, perspective. Yeah, I mean, I'll just say that I, I do think, you know, the time, like the, the era that we're living through is, is a, it's a hugely challenging one for so many people. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, you know, at, at early on, because I wrote a lot of this, like during the early stages of the pandemic, and I was mm-hmm. feeling like, you know, um, it's really, it feels really important that anything that you're working on right now is making a contribution to, mm-hmm. to, to the, just sort of the larger issues that, that we're facing. And I, I guess I, I really landed in a place of feeling like, you know, in a world that is so uncertain with so much ambiguity, like we, we have to have these kinds of skills, right? Like mm. these, these are ways of helping you look at things differently and recognizing that things have changed and that the old narratives aren't necessarily going to be the future ways that, that things are working and their ways of um, getting your ideas out quickly and testing them to see if they have merit. And often when we're in a world that is changing so fast, like you can't like wait and do, you know, like a, a you know, work on a product for a year and then show it to someone like who knows if the need is still going to be there a year from now. So, being able to work in a, in a way that actually helps you get real feedback and test your ideas and, and also be, you know, oriented. And, and this is sort of core to how we think about design. Like we are designing for other people. Like we, it's called, you know, like a, a process of human centered design is at the core of many of these practices and, and philosophies. And, and that also feels like it's of real utility in a moment where there are just so many new needs that are emerging and changing. So I, you know, it's like, I, I, I want people to be playful. I want people to be joyful. And I think all of these methods like help you access that. And they are ways that can help you lean into like real challenges and, and really be of service and be of use in the world. And um, I hope people take 
away both the kind of seriousness of that opportunity and the playfulness and the the joy that you can have when you when you work in this way. Well, it's absolutely awesome getting the opportunity to hang out with you today and dive a bit deeper. Um, where's the best place for people to grab the book? We're going to put some links in the show notes for, for people listening. Yep. Um, people can go to dschoolbooks.com. Um, there's uh, this one. And then we actually have a whole uh, series of books that are coming out starting in April that are kind of like these really cool bite-sized uh, topics. There's going to be one on manifestos. There's one on belonging and designing for belonging. There's one on like data and maps and how to think about like creating really amazing visualizations. So like so many different, so many different tools and, and mindsets. Um, and that's going to be, I, I'm so excited for those to launch. So that's coming in April, but this book, Creative Acts for Curious People is out now um, and you can find it at that site. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming to hang out. Guys, you heard it here first, dschoolbooks.com. That's right. Go grab, we're going to pop something in the show notes. Um, join me in celebrating the new perspective, new games, new ideas, new directions. Follow me on the line today. Who knows where it's going to take you? Remember, guys, you can consciously choose a more abundant, joyful, purpose-driven life. Keep dreaming with your eyes open. Do it playfully. Do it creatively. And do it differently. Bye for now. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Duo with Dan with your host, Daniel McGenna. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit dmpotv.com. We'll catch you on the next episode of Do It With Dan.